college athletes could soon get paid in California, but not from the NCAA. SoCal Edison sues Santa Barbara County over last year's deadly mudslides. And two lawsuits show what a hot mess California housing politics is right now. That's what's coming up in this week's episode of California Streaming. You're listening to the California Streaming Podcast with Bobby, Jonathan, and Louie. We're just three conservative friends trying to provide some counterbalance in one of the most liberal states in the union. So let's hop on our magic choo-choo train to nowhere and talk some California politics. Hello, everybody. Hey, hey. Welcome Welcome back. Another fantastic week of news. We got some big stuff uh, since the last episode. State of the Union happened. The so too. I want to talk about it. I think it was probably his best speech yet. We got to see our uh, our senator on television a lot, getting Kamala's reactions to a lot of Trump's comments. Of course, Nancy was right behind him, uh, making a face. But what a how could you tell? I what well, did anybody find out what her little lapel thing was? No, I have no clue. I, it looked like the uh, the medical snake emblem thing. You know, I thought. Oh. It was I mean, the, snake would be apropos. I thought it was the hammer and Caduceus, chisel. Isn't it? Is like that the hammer and sickle? <laughs> I, it's funny because she starts clapping, and then the the news turns that around, or the oh, yeah, MSM yeah. turns that around into like pity way claps. To, and, way to burn Trump, right? Nancy. Exactly. Like, but it was come some kind of like little shark clap thingy. Well, it's interesting to see also all the Democrats kind of looking at each other to see what they should be doing. Should we stand? Think, should right. we did, clap? I don't know. Did you see right. her give hand orders at points? She like looks at all of them and raises her hands Look, like, get up, get up Come now. on, this is the yeah. time. She's like literally the conductor. Well, and the whole thing was just meme ready. Uh, I mean, the amount of memes that are pouring out of last night. I haven't seen this many Democrats wear white since they started the KKK. <laughs> yeah, well, that one was a, a classic. You also see the fact that like, Trump hammered home the whole late-term abortion thing. Big time. And I think there's a lot of people that obviously are pro-choice. In the first trimester, they're cool with it. And then the second trimester, they start getting a little queasy. And the third trimester, they're kind of like, eh. You know, Bobby and I were talking about this on the drive up, just in a general sense, right? About bridges too far, especially in the Democratic Party. Of course. And this issue... We could talk about the issue in general for a long time, but I think you're you're totally right, Louis, that you're starting to get into territories where you've got a lot of just classic old time Dem dro- voters dropping off fast. Right, it and feels like way. I didn't sign up for this. Part. Yeah, it feels that way. Not to mention, it's being. I mean, you you talked about it maybe a couple episodes ago, Bobby, but they've got no problem floating the notion now of the baby being outside. Of the birth canal, yeah. I mean, like it's been born, and I don't, I don't understand that part. So why it's even a, a women's health issue <laughs> well, again, at that point? You right. walk it backwards and you go, okay, so it was born, and you, it's okay to to kill it. Well, no, no. Well, how about right before, and then, well, how about five days before? And what's what is your cutoff time? Well, it's just like we talk about the minimum wage. Right. right. If 15 bucks is good, 20 bucks is better, 100 bucks is yeah, good. Yeah, forget it. Make it a thou. Right. You know? And when you start looking at it with that kind of logic, Bobby, it's kind of... Damn logic. Yeah, you can't take it. So I've always... What I've found... I can, I can wrap my head around uh, abortion the first trimester. Okay? Not that I'm for it, but uh, I can get the no, argument. No, no, no. Right. You can, you, can, you can square the logical debate... 
right. again, we have our um, thoughts, but yes. Right. Yes. I, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't want to have a kid. I made a mistake. I, I want to abort it. I, I can understand your logic. I don't support it. I can understand your logic. I don't get it when it's pretty much born or born. The right. five-minute thing is right. like Cause, the cause most... You carried it the whole time. It's literally absurd. You went through all the issues that come with pregnancy. You went through the morning sickness. You went through the weight gain. You went through all of that, and you couldn't just have it and give it to adoption or drop it off at a fire station. You had to kill it, and I don't get that part. I get it if you want to do it in the beginning and not deal with all the pregnancy stuff. Which to me is, is, is also separate from the whole the notion of how strongly they're willing to stand behind the, let's call it the five minute before birth right. debate, okay. because it's still the mother's choice. And how firmly then, so you're even further entrenching yourself into the, into the choice aspect, in my opinion, at the five minute point, yet you totally disappear from that in like literally every other issue in someone's life in terms of them being able to choose something. Right. And that, so that, that introduces further levels of absurdity to me. Well, and then you apply it to, there's, there's been a bunch of articles now about Trump wants to ban birth control and all this stuff. No, he just doesn't want to compel businesses <laughs> to provide insurance for it if it goes against their moral or religious right. beliefs. Right. Those are two different arguments. And, and, and that's it, a much it, deeper it's, it's argument. About it exists in the Someone nuances. else having to pay right. for it. It's about somebody else exactly. having to pay for it. Right. So what, what I find kind of a dichotomy here is that with the abortion thing, it's government stay out of my body. Right. Mm-hmm. And with birth control, it's, no, 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 come to my body and provide. <laughs> yes. When I want something for my body, right. you must give it to me. I right. need you in the bedroom now, baby. Right. And so I can't square up the differences. And people don't even look at the constitutionality of um, the, the nuance of no, government no. imposing no. On, on business. No. They just look at birth control not being paid for by someone else bad. Boy, yeah. yeah. It gets but, hard to square. That's, that's the problem here. We got deep quick. But added yeah. into the State of the Union, here we go. I was thoroughly enthusiastic when Trump came out there and said no to socialism, Ooh. not now, not ever. And then the camera just pans <laughs> right at Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yeah, and he's Close got up. that smug look of "Oh my God, I've been Angry. wasting my life." I think I think it's crazy <laughs> that he also gives his own follow up to the soap too every time. I know. Like, nobody cares. Even <laughs> because, the Democrats don't care. Well, it's because technically he is an independent. Uh, so right. he's giving the independent rebuttal. Right. Uh, okay. yeah. yeah, independently super left. <laughs> right. But he's so left, he's independent. He's, he's planning on running again. And I've been adamant yeah. about he's not going to run because... I thought he was just going to fundraise for Hillary again, like last time. Ooh. <laughs> this time it will be. <laughs> That's... But... If he jumps in, you're going to see a whole bunch of things we didn't know about the Burnster. This is back to your theory of uh, when they already floated the sexual harassment in his campaign Mm -hmm. last year, just as like a shot across the bow. Oh, I want him to run so bad. Because you just want to see all this junk. I want to see it all happen. It's kind of like we're seeing in Virginia. It's like, like, oh, (laughs) we just happened to miss those things, you know, because the Democrats talk about talk about another series of hilarious memes coming out of that. They're trying to figure out who's fourth in line for the governorship because the first three all have issues in their background. 
and then, then the and then the Babylon all the way Bee. through the AG. <laughs> then the Babylon B today has the article about Elizabeth Warren comes out and apologizes for having for doing pale face. Right, <laughs> like many years ago. Well, and now we're just scraping the iceberg on actual documents that she claimed oh. to be Native American on with her her bar exam stuff. So, which quote I've never used this stuff to get ahead in my career at all. Right, right. Oh. And the only problem is there's a lot of things we just can't go back and get because they've been destroyed or whatever. But that one, but that, and you're the saying te- the if, Texas if it bar, happened right? there, but it didn't oh. happen anywhere else. No, that's in. But did you hear her explanation? She left open. That was at a time right. when I was just misinformed about oh, the. Heritage. Yeah, I, I, I technically convenient. didn't have the tribal blessing, but I just was told by my family that I was. Oh sure. Only when it only when it behooves you, of course, to skip ahead. Totally. In line. totally. One last goodie before we jump into it. Yeah. The Dems dropped the their Green New Deal. Mm. Oh man, and Lots man. Of green. Uh, they 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 had this little statistic about how how many Republicans and how many Democrats support the Green New Deal, but of course that was done before any information was given at all, and it was just strictly do you like this bumper sticker slogan of do you like the new Green Deal? Oh uh, sure. And so that's where they they got the support from. But now they've dropped the information, and we're gonna have to go through this like line by line because it's just kind of hilarious. It's it's crazy that we care more about that than we do about the border. Like something actually right. that's an issue at this moment that we can put our finger on and say this is a problem. I got a there's a great tweet of the when we get to the tweet section all. It, yeah, that totally highlights that from Scott Adams. It's unbelievable. Yeah, they've been dropping Twitter's been on fire with this Man. one. They're trying to get the hashtag to trend. What is that? What is the official uh is uh, it Green New Deal? Yeah, it's I got hashtag, it. hashtag Green New oh. Deal. Hashtag this is dumb. It's what it should be. Right. But this is hashtag Green New Deal. <laughs> we could just take over everything, and then and then we'll make it all green. Go ahead. We could. Whatever. Ready for our first topic? Oh, yeah. We got to do that, don't we? Okay. This is kind of an interesting one. We, we've flown by this topic. I feel, as we've talked about other ones that r- relate to people's abilities and contracts and um, remuneration, but here we go. In California, college athletes could soon get paid in California, but not from the NCAA. So this comes from the Sacramento Bee on February 6th. A proposal was introduced by Senator Nancy Skinner, a a Democrat from Berkeley. And this proposal essentially would allow players to get compensated for sponsorship opportunities. It's Senate Bill 206, quote, Fair Pay to Play Act. And it essentially says that college athletes from California's 24 public colleges and universities would be able to make money, quote, as a result of the student's name, image, or likeness. Skinner goes on to say that, quote, the NCAA, the universities, the media, they've made billions of dollars on the talent of athletes, while the athletes have not received anything. She also notes that she plans to add more protections Gotta love that word whenever they come from politicians. That's what the government does. No, no, they protects. Just, I need I need protection like you wouldn't believe. So they're gonna add more protections in the bill in the coming weeks and months. And she wants to give athletes, here we go, quote, a right, end quote, to secure representation through an agent. So, so that's agents a, that's, in college. Yeah, that's a whole nother deal, right? So this this whole story was interesting to me because I know we said here is three sports fans. How does and it's just a big debated topic. I, you know? I, re- I read your art, the article that you sent to us. Yeah. For um, 
yeah, some or research this topic, and yeah. attached to it was uh, a video in which they're showing how Adidas mm. is mired in this whole pay-to-play mm. kind of deal. Yeah, where Boy. the student athletes and most of them, you know, probably football and basketball, mm-hmm. they make deals with uh, the agents. The agents make deals with assistant coaches. Mm-hmm. Assistant coaches make uh, arrangements with somebody else, another party, and then subsequently then pay the college athletes to participate in colleges that are sponsored by Adidas. Right. And then then, then they would, of course, after they're done with their collegiate um, career, they would then sign with that agent and then they would move on and hopefully sign a shoe deal right. with Adidas or whatever deal that they need to. This this came up a little while ago, and it, it's predominantly, I think, in college basketball. Yeah, where this big, is super... Ed O'Bannon prolific. Well, famously had a court case right. uh, not too long ago. And it comes down to the shoe deals, and the argument is that these schools get all the top... Certain schools get all the top athletes because they're being funneled into these... Mm-hmm. Adidas schools uh-huh. or it's a lot of gray area movements. It feels like, right. right? You know, I'm, I'm on the fence about paying athletes in college. I think if they do get paid, I like the idea of it going into like a trust totally. And then them getting it when they come out or something like that. Totally. I don't know about giving them cash uh, on the spot, like a biweekly paycheck kind of thing. That's right. What I mean, right. Because for lack of a better, <laughs> And this just kind of goes back to free enterprise. You signed into a contract to play at that school, knowing that you're going to get tuition and And, board and whatever else comes with that. And if you go to, say, like Notre Dame or USC, you're getting like a $50,000 education, probably more than that. That's right. That's right. For free. Right. Right. uh, Right. All that tuition books, whatever covered. Right. And I don't know if... They talk about jersey sales and stuff, but I'm always really curious about, like, I don't know how many people buy a college athlete's I know. jersey well, versus Durant, right? right I mean, exactly. like, it's probably not comparable. I mean, you you used to be able to go to buy O.J. Simpson's jersey at USC. Are you serious? For after a very long time. Well, oh, oh, I'm sure after he was in the NFL. After he was well, in for the NFL, sure. for right. example. For but sure. Many like Reggie Bush when he came out, they well, were still selling his jersey. I'm not sure they're selling that one anymore. <laughs> but but you, you get the idea. They, no, no, they know this person is a professional, right? And no. they can sell it again and again and again. I I'm curious how it squares up with NCAA versus California because the NCAA I, says no, and so they have. I know. <laughs> well, let, let me uh, let me get on top of this real, real, real quick. Yeah, this okay. smells of like federal Trump stuff again. But <laughs> have you ever have you guys ever heard of Joseph Schooling? No. Okay, Mm-mm. he's an Olympian. Okay. Okay. Uh, he was a University of Texas swimmer. Okay. Way to go! And he actually beat the great Michael Phelps in swimming. Ba- uh, oh, when back like in in college uh, not, or in like yeah, in, uh, in the last uh, last Olympics, two thousand sixteen. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay. So he is worthy. Um, so. He won a prize for his gold medal of seven hundred and forty thousand dollars, and he's not—he's not an American. He's from Singapore. Okay. Okay. So it's different. He's actually—I think their very first gold medalist. So it was a big deal, especially for beating Mike Phelps. Mind you, again, the country of Singapore—that was the incentive for him to win a gold. That's technically, right. is here yeah. seven hundred forty thousand. And, and you win prize money for winning cool. the Olympic gold medal. Cool. 
Okay. But even the Olympics with their amateur status are willing to give money and allow athletes to earn money because it's become, it's their job. That's their job. Mm -hmm. They have dedicated to a sport Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they have put everything else aside so that Mm -hmm. they can, uh, you know, exceed in this particular aspect of their lives. But the NCAA doesn't say that. They will not allow it. They are not employees. Well, it it strikes, I think, a problem because a UCLA is going to inherently have a problem compared to USC. One's using taxpayer money oh, to fund right. their program. Right. And the other one's using private and boosters and everything else. And this has always been the argument for why, you know, these schools have a problem attracting coaches because you can pay, say, a million bucks at UCLA, but you can pay $7 million, right. right? Or if you're a Bama or something like that, you've got the money to yeah. dump into the program. I think they say even Patino at Louisville was pulling in like twenty. You know, with all of the deals that he, he got. Plus hookers. That's a whole separate line item. <laughs> We're not even counting. But like between the TV deals and he would get a slice of and you know, all sorts of stuff that I'm, I'm sure the sponsorships oh, yeah. and twenty mil a year. Right, as a well, college well, then let me coach. throw this at you. The four Throw highest it. paid state yeah. employees are coaches. The coaches, there yeah. Jim Mora, three and a half million. Gone, but yeah. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, he was gone. Yeah. Uh Martin uh from Berkeley, basketball coach. Okay. Uh, two point nine. Okay. Uh Dykes, Berkeley football. Okay. Uh two point eight. Is Steve Alford? Uh, Alford. Gone, fired. 3.7. He's fired. So. He's fired. He's gone. Yep. You think Cal would be better with all these? I know. They're terrible. Big paychecks. But in the actuality, these programs run in the hundreds of millions of dollars for the actual, you know, uh, the whole collegiate sports for their colleges. Let me. I mean, no, those are the bigger schools when it comes to to sports, but... Here's something I thought would be interesting. I pulled up, granted, it's from the HuffPo, Huffington Post, back um, when when some of these cases were coming down. I think the Ed O'Bannon case got settled in 2017. So this is back then, um, March of 2017. But they wrote an article, and they kind of, I'm just going to give each of the the bullet items, and I'm just curious your guys' thoughts, and we'll chime in. They had four pros and four cons, potential. And we've, we've talked about a couple of these. But four pros and four cons to college athletes being paid in general. Again, this California deal is California colleges and sponsorships. But let's just assume, okay, we're now we're opening up the door to okay. athletes being paid. Here's the four pros they said. Number one, it would allow the players to support their families. Okay. I mean, true, right? I mean, that's the whole – it does seem like that when you, when you pull back the curtain and the Reggie Bush stories, those sorts of things come out, that's the primary – I mean – did you guys see the 30 for 30 on Calipari? Yes. I mean, yeah, <laughs> right? That's basically right. what he was admitting is, I realize these kids need to get their families paid and themselves paid, so one and done it is. Right. So he's admitting that. Okay, fair. Players this one, players may stay longer. What do you think about that? Do you think if players got paid, that removes... In basketball, we're talking about. Right, because football well, has the three-year rule anyways, essentially, right? Right, and I think most people stay at least four years. They If... Maybe a fifth year of eligibility, well, but basketball is the one and done. I'm just going to say that's right. I'm just going to say football's essentially different because they expect those uh, young men to be mm-hmm. even stronger, given the the additional three or four years that they do it. Well, and there's no March Madness. Ah, the whole thing with the only part of 
NCAA basketball that makes money is March Madness. Between betting and everything, it's the only hype on college basketball. It's the only time people really watch it, especially if you're a casual fan. And that's the whole reason with one and done is if you let players skip college or if you let them you know, whenever, it, whenever they want, whenever they the want to exit the system, March Madness would be a bunch of losers. Um, right. And so the yeah. problem is, is they've got to keep some talent in there every year. Otherwise, March Madness becomes a flop. Uh, right. I mean, it's hands down the biggest part of college. And basketball. how oh, no much question. money are they making, Louis? Two dollars. No, I don't know. A billion dollars on March Madness. The NCAA. Scores. That's right. right. I believe it. That's they're right. they're charging seven hundred thousand dollars during the Final Four to run a thirty second ad. Oh, that's easy. Yeah, that's totally right. believable. That's easy money for them. And they're occupying like four networks in the beginning. That's right. It's like the first round. Oh, that's right. It's it, on like TNT. Watch it for free now on streaming. CBS. Yeah, it's on all of them. Uh, True TV. Uh, everything CBS owns that first right. round. So. Right. The, the whole thing about one and done is because of March Madness. That's the only reason. And so then you say, okay, well, it's just so the NCAA makes money. Right. But they don't care about the kids. To that point, just for listeners, if you guys haven't seen it either, I'm not saying it's not biased in areas, but it is an interesting documentary called Schooled, The Price of College Sports. It came out in 2013. I watched it once. Interesting. I mean... What's can, it on? Um, what medium? I saw it on Netflix. Okay. Um, it's probably still on there. Probably available. I don't know. Maybe even YouTube or some. I don't know. Schooled the price of college sports. The one of the more interesting things about it was this whole purposeful definition of the colleges to keep it student athlete because they don't want to go down the road of admitting maybe a lot of these kids are an athlete first. But as long as you know the student, 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 and back to the point. Well, they're here to get an education. We're giving them a scholarship, etc. But the problem is, is that most of them are not. No, no, I, I you got the one and done situation, which in and of itself is self-explanatory. They're not getting the college degree. Okay. Right. But most of the other athletes, they're not getting the college degree anyway because they're going to fake classes. They're, they're, they're <laughs> right. being robbed of an actual education. Underwater basket weaving 402. That's right. Yeah. Ballroom dancing, the whole bit. Right. <clears throat> and, and it's really a disservice to them because they're under the impression and they've been given such by the organizations that have given them the opportunity for schooling, that they will be moving on to the professional leagues. And that's just not the case. Most of them just kind of peter out or they get hurt. Or Well, so that was something else I was thinking about is you go through four years of college making some decent cash and you come to the realization that you're like the 80% that's not going to get picked up on the pro level. Right. And now you're back working at Burger King. Right. So... I I got a job offer when I was like 19 years old and it was going to pay like 30 bucks an hour. And my mom was like, you know, if you take this, you're probably not going to finish school. Mm. And she was right. I turned it down. I stayed school. Mm. I think with a lot of these athletes, they're going to get used to this paycheck. Interesting. And then come out maybe without a degree. A lot of them don't even get a degree like we talked about and then have no skills and really not know the concept of money. It's an interesting one. It's not on this cons. Kinda, you've yeah. got you've got pro athletes, quote unquote, right? Who can't manage their money, right? Oh, that, that, that most is, of them, I would say, that is can. the name of the game, right? We've right. we've heard about this that they need to give new pro athletes a class and just budgeting and money and all the newfound relatives and friends you're going to get when you sign that deal, and now you're going to 
give it to these college kids who are fresh out of high school who haven't a clue. Mm. And you're going to, even if you give them a check for 60, 70 grand, Boy. that's a lot of money as a college right. Yeah. athlete, right? And you're probably not spending a ton of it because you're in your sport, you know, mm. all day, every day mm. until the off season. But we're just going to entrust money to them when the pro athletes, their counterparts, can't even manage their money. Let me just run through the last uh, two pros, four cons real quick. Uh, last two pros, limits corruption from external influences. Kind of talked about it. If, if you're getting up, paid up front, it's in the light, right? Well, I think it redefines corruption. <laughs> That's okay. Right. Fair. Because I think you'll get it on a different level. You'll get, you'll just have schools that can shell out way more money than other schools. Uh, who, who get more uh, uh, advertising dollars funneled their way. To then funnel so, into you. Like, You've already seen it in like, college football. Let's, let's there, take there's like just Alabama. a skew. Yeah. Let's take Alabama. Perfect. I, I would say that those we could re-register those kids as semi-pro. Because of ta- talent, you mean? Well, talent. This, well this argument's well, gone just, back and forth. I mean, it is, but... Yeah. They always make the argument that, oh, the best Bama team well, could no, no, take no, no. on the worst NFL team. I'm not saying team. that they're, Negative. That they're Negative. all Negative. going to be professional athletes. What I'm saying right. is that Negative. because of the organization sure. itself... The structure, the way it's, like, it's, it's like a business. Things, that's right. It's a business. No, that's right. Um, number four, giving them what they deserve. I don't know. That's kind of a... Whatever. Do we deserve anything? We're right. the butt. But this is from HuffPo, like I said. So, right. what do you expect? Okay, the four cons: financial irresponsibility. Yep. We just there we go. covered that. Um, unfair compensation between players. Life's, oh, yeah. life's unfair. So, mm-hmm. Number three: athletes may never go to class. Do they now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, number four: removes athletes' competitive nature and passion for the game. Sounds pretty idealistic, there, but totally. So. Man, I don't know. It's all about I think if you're going to pay them, it should go into a trust. Agreed. And let it accrue, and then they get cashed out when they graduate or they leave. I would imagine most people have a problem with the timing element of it, like you're like you're suggesting. They don't necessarily have a problem of, yes, we're using your image. You probably deserve money for that. We keep showing the clip of you making the three-pointer at the end of the game. We, we owe you money, just not right now while you're in the college. Back to the issue at hand, are we all okay with these athletes getting paid after they're done with their collegiate uh, schooling. Well, that's like the Ed O'Bannon argument, right? And, and I keep saying Ed O'Bannon because he brought a case, and I think it went to the Supreme Court, but they kept showing the 4.7 seconds, Tyus Edney driving down the court in the 90s, and Ed O'Bannon's in that shot and all this. He's like, you guys keep showing this every year at the NCAA uh, Final Four tournament commercials to boost the viewership Am I ever going to get anything for this? Right? And right. he'd already graduated. He'd retired from the NBA. Where's his paycheck? That was his question. I mean, there's plenty of other players right. who... Same difference. Just do, do the pros pay, though, when you use clips of them? Isn't everything owned by the NBA? It's a, it's a good question. Right? All, uh-huh. all rights reserved without expressed written consent of they whatever. They do get the a piece is. of it. Yeah. So, like... Your jersey sales and whatever plays. No, no, yeah. no. I'm talking about like in his case, clips. Where yeah. The NBA is using a clip as part of their promo of say Kobe or Robert Horry hitting or Jordan, you know, those, those three pointers yeah. to yeah, seal right. the game. I, Does Ori oh, yeah. see a paycheck because right. of that? I don't know. If, yeah, if you can prove that the I feel organization like all that's made owned money by the league, it. though, I, I could believe that, but I don't. Man, that's a good question. No, no. Because but I mean, if the pros paid. aren't paid, why should they? Yeah, it's fair. College athletes be paid. That's fair. But even then, they still have their retirement uh, payment plan. So, yeah, at some point, you're going to go, yeah, you got paid. Well, no, but I'm talking about royalties. Yeah. I don't see why. It might be a, it might be a packaged deal that somehow funnels into the, the pension plan or something. I don't know. 
I'm yeah, I mean, it's a commercial. It's like we're just using stock footage of you from a long time ago, which you got paid. How much did we actually generate from this commercial? So you tell me how much that is, and I'm sure they probably sent a check. I don't know. I'd be curious about that. I'm kind of curious now. It's worth a dollar. I don't know. We'll have to have our staff run those numbers. Totally. (laughs) Staff, get on it. Okay. They're on it. Next one. So we've talked before, especially because it's near and dear to our hearts and local. We've talked before about the mudslides in Edison, right? And then they're they're the big bad people there to blame. Um, Edison is kind of turn the tables, doing a little countersuit. So Edison sues Santa Barbara County over last year's deadly mudslides. This is from an article in the Los Angeles Times in January 18th, 2019. So here's the gist of it. Uh, Southern California Edison, they're fighting obviously a ton of legal claims right now related to these Montecito mudslides. Um, and essentially all the, the chain is the mudslides were caused because of the Thomas fire and all, all that, that got burned away. And then when it rained, the mud was able to slide down, et cetera, et cetera. They're putting Southern California Edison again is putting the blame on Santa Barbara County and Caltrans for failing to prepare for deadly debris flows. They knew were inevitable. It's kind of interesting, right? More than 75 lawsuits have been filed against Edison so far, alleging that, again, it, it was the cause of the fire, the Thomas fire, and thus the cause of the mudslides. The public utility is suing the county and state agencies, essentially alleging that despite decades of warnings, they did not build adequate catchment basins and channels, and they built low bridges that became choke points, and they didn't order historic flood zones to evacuate when the storm was approaching. They say, Edison says, quote, poor planning and mismanagement spanning from decades prior to the Montecito mudslides all the way through the final hours directly and proximately caused all or some of the damages that the plaintiffs now seek to recover from Edison, end quote. One last little blip here of the county. Um, It's also a factor. They're saying the county never built bigger basins on those creeks the, the, the creeks that got um, plugged up and did nothing to improve the existing ones. In fact, the county had agreed to remove the two basins by 2026 to allow the passage of steelhead trout. Oh, the trout. And oh, that, man. And that's what the Los Angeles Times found that one out. So not only is Edison saying, look, it's pretty provable. Y- you guys didn't do what you were supposed to do according to 1960s, um, early 70s reports. You've even made it known you were headed down the path of removing these basins altogether to protect some fish. So That's crazy. I did not know that part. Neither did I. I didn't even know we had steelhead trout that come through there. Boom. We probably have had one in the last 30 years, so shut everything down. Well, most of those creeks are dry any time of the year, so I don't know when they move. Why don't we just get it like... Put them in a plane, then drop them off in the ocean? Look, I'll admit, I'm not sure. I'm uh, I'm not an expert in these matters i'm i mean we've been reading a lot about this stuff in local papers etc well you almost I, died in this one i was close, close. Yeah, uh, it was pretty close but i'll be honest i like this and i like it again they may not be suing on the exact correct stuff or i don't know but you can't tell me that government policies and their actions that we talk about this all the time on this show their actions have ramifications. It may not be tomorrow and it may not be next week, but what they do has secondary and tertiary effects. It's really believable and I think pretty provable that, that their 
lack of desire to spend on this or spend on that in an arguably in the areas that they're actually supposed to add some uh, role to play in all this. So, I mean, this is a natural disaster and that's, it's, Okay. Plain and obvious. Okay. But there is it a natural a fu- disaster right. exacerbated by government that, intervention? That, that last part, right, exacerbated. Totally. Right. You know, there was a huge fire okay. and then a huge downpour yeah. and then the mudslide. Right. It happened there, but because of the fire was so huge, this is a Woosley fire, it could have happened anywhere. Well, that... And this was because of Thomas fire. Right, Thomas or the Woosley? debris flow. Woosley was this last. I'm one. sorry. Yeah, the, Tom, the Thomas fire. Thomas, Thomas, Thomas fire. fire. Thomas fire. Right. right, but it it really could have happened anywhere. It just happened to happen there. Well, a, a big problem was I think they got like five eighths of an inch in five minutes. It was something crazy. It was a hundred year rain event. Totally, like legit. I'm, and no one had control over that. I got that. Right, but I, and I'm with you on this, John. I like the pushback. From right. the utility, because this has been my argument with PG&E. PG&E declared bankruptcy just recently right? because they're facing Billion. the same I issue mean, as yeah. Edison, right? Yeah. Right. And then a part of me just says, is this just, like I said before, is this just what the the secondary effects are of having electricity everywhere in this world? That's right. Because we're forced to put lines through passes and canyons where the winds get ridiculous. Correct. And even if you've got everything buttoned up into code, your odds of a line going down are huge. And so now what you've got, PG&E even has another new color on their outage map for uh, just planned brownouts, you know, mm-hmm. for, for weather mm-hmm. events. Mm-hmm. Because then what's going to happen is they're just going to shut the power off in major events and say, well, screw it. And then they're going to get fined for not delivering electricity to their subscribers. So I don't know. You can force them to keep power on with one hand and then start sanctioning them and literally put them into bankruptcy with the other hand. Totally. It, for, for the consumer who's getting their power cut off, they don't see it that way. Oh, they, of course they, they not. look at it and they go, well, you cut off my power. And look, nothing happened. And you do this a couple of times. Look, you can turn off the power. Nothing happened. Nothing yeah, happened. It's, nothing happened. And then they just say, let's risk it. Well, and that's with, what happens with Montecito. And you're seeing this more and more as you get what's called evacuation fatigue. Uh, yeah, mm. there's been so much evacuate and maybe nothing happens. And then when they say evacuate again, nobody leaves. Right. It's almost. <laughs> and, and, and with this one, I mean, I, I remember it cause I was in the zone in this one. We had to leave because of the fire and we had to leave for a good week, week and a half, at least in our right. zone, other people for longer. You're allowed back in. And then, what was it? Seven days later, nine days later, the evacuation for the for the rains came, and people said, "You know what? I just left for like twelve days. Forget it." Right, and I'm they're thinking, leaving. "Oh man, okay, a little bit of flooding, <laughs> exactly. flash floods, exactly, not a gigantic debris flow that literally wiped out an entire city." Yeah, yeah, but I agree. I, yeah, especially when when they discover things like they were going to get rid of the basins, <laughs> right? You can't tell me they were prepping when they were planning to get rid of that. Which is very believable that they were that that was the plan. Yeah. Right. Delta smelt. (laughs) Right. And so so that kind of goes into here here's some summary, four summary points of what the lawsuit is alleging. And again, these are kind of angles that I didn't really know about or think about. They're saying number one, the county allowed walls and other obstacles that would push debris flows higher and farther from their natural course. 
Number two, planners permitted more than 150 federal, state, county, and private bridges to be built over these creeks in hazard zones without ample clearance for debris flow. Number three, the flood control district did not adequately clean out the, quote, already drastically undersized basins, which gradually fill up with rock and sediment, reducing their ability to trap debris. And a lot of this is hinged. People might have read this, but back in 1969, there was an Army Corps of Engineers report on these basins, and they even said, quote, the danger of loss of life and the menace of public health is great because they had analyzed the size of these basins and they knew look, if we get a size of storm or something of this, these are going to have to get readdressed. They're, they're patchworked now. Readdress them. Never happened, right? And lastly, number four, emergency managers on January 7th switched from evacuating residents based on a flood map to arbitrarily forcing evacuations for anyone living north of 192. They pulled the flood map off the website, but it turned out to be remarkably accurate. So again, these effects of what they're arguing, and this is the part I think I like of the lawsuit, these effects that these planners and, and city officials who typically set in positions and either know consciously or subconsciously give edicts knowing that there'll be no ramifications for their decisions. Well, you need to do this with your bridge. And that Edison is saying, hey, look, you actually didn't do the full job you should have done when, uh, when you decided to allow a bridge or not allow a bridge. You're, you need to pay for that. And these people are used to not having to pay for anything. Now, pay not financially, but reap the repercussions of the negative effects of their decisions. So I like that, that they might have to. Oh, I do too. And I wonder, you can go back to all these things. There's got to be a certain degree of culpability on both the government side and the private side, right? Okay, let's say the line wasn't maintained, went down. Great. Absolutely. Okay, you caused the fire. You're some proximal cause. But then it's like super aggravated or exacerbated. Because the government hasn't done their job right. on the land. And I think you'll see this. Um, you know, we're talking about this just with the the ferociousness of brush fires in the last few years and the horrible mismanagement of these state and federal lands. And what what is the culpability of the government in these firestorms? Well, and you can't say zero. You can't say they zero. They want to say zero. They think There's got to be a certain correct. percentage. Well, let me ask you about the ramifications of responsibility. PG&E, Edison, if they're at fault, financially, they're going to get sued. They're going to pay out a dish. But the CEO is probably going to get fired, and if not, probably even jailed. But when it comes to the government and the basin talk that you're talking about, oh, well. Right. well and the supervisor's there. Exactly. Too damn bad. Well, and the person who made that decision might not even be there anymore. Exactly. Right? He did his time, moved on. People don't, it's an element that they brought up in the Flint, Michigan water situation. People don't respect the fact that when corporations and private businesses run something, there's at least somebody to sue. Right. There's at least a, an entity with which to take to court, to have a jury weigh in on. Not so in, in necessarily in these sorts of situations. When the government runs something, there's no alternative, there's no... Oh, there's Recourse. not, a, and there's not a single person to take on the culpability. Exactly. Right. So, so don't don't dismiss how how nice the business is making a profit, but part of embedded in their profit is to is potential risk and trying to mitigate that risk of future 
hazards, lawsuits, these sorts of things. So it's it's an equation that they're having to balance. The government, though, does whatever they want. Well, right, and this was PG&E's uh, argument when it came to the fires up in Santa Rosa was Cal Fire's poor response to the fires allowed it to get out of control. Clint, yeah. And so that how do you even prove that, though, right? I mean, that's a hard one to prove. Right. But now you see Sonoma County, they just released this week that they want to consolidate their like 40 something volunteer fire departments because it made it very hard to respond to these fires. So now you look at, well, you've got a whole fire district that wants to consolidate because they were not able to provide an adequate mm. response to mm. these fires. Yeah. How does that not help PG and E's case that look, man, you had a bunch of volunteer departments. That's why this thing was off to the races. I, there's gotta be some shared responsibility here. Well, in, in normal world, there would be, but in bizarro government world, whatever well, they want to do, no and I, problem. I don't see a benefit to bankrupting the utility because all it does is drive my rates up because the government screwed up. But, right? but even worse, what utility management company is going to come in and take over and say like, well, you're going to do the same thing to us, so good luck to you. Exactly. Right. Who wants that? Yeah, who wants that? I it's, wouldn't. It's these, it's these nuanced, uh, I would argue not so nuanced, but to a lot of people, nuanced market force mechanisms the people don't understand are at work to be in their benefit to ultimately long-term help them out as the everyday average citizen. The government wants to continually come in and sever and break and convince you that it's better if they just do it. Here's a great example of, well, when they just do it, when they run healthcare and something goes bad, good luck. Who, who, who are you going to turn to when your right. surgery gets botched? Yeah, there's, there's no one to sue. Right. Good luck. Maybe. There's always somebody to sue. I'm going to sue you, Bobby. <laughs> Good luck with that. But it's it's the payout that's very interesting. Oh, yeah, because people want money. $10. People, yeah. It's it's all about just civil damages. They just want cash. Cash and prizes. Next. Next one? Yeah. Last Oosh. topic. We couldn't go an episode without working in our new favorite California governor, Governor Gavin Newsom. I just like being able to say Governor Gavin. Gavin. Soon to be President Gavin. We, oh, can we dream? I, I would love Soon that. Soon enough, he will be our overlord. So, from Reason Magazine on January 30th, two lawsuits show what a hot mess California housing politics is right now. So, Gavin Newsom on on Friday, which I think was the 30th, or 33rd, yeah, the 30th. Well, uh, by announcing a lawsuit against Huntington Beach, right? So Huntington Beach is down in Orange County. It's all their Southern fault. Southern California. All of it. Um, a, quote, wealthier beach town in Orange County, claiming that the local government there had failed to zone for enough housing. So this is where this gets interesting, right? State, local, who gets to dictate to who, what to do in terms of housing? Because everyone's going to agree we got a housing problem, Right. Well, Sure. We've talked about this. And it's all Huntington's fault. Has to be. No, no. They're evil because they're, quote, unquote, wealthy. So Newsom said, quote, some cities are refusing to do their part. That that guy loves that phrase, huh? We got to do our part. Citizens got to do their part. States got to do their part. What, what be, is it? Because it, it takes it, a village, damn it. Bingo. Well, it softens the overlord aspect <laughs> right. of, I'm going to tell you to do this. <laughs> right. 
managers use that all the time. You know, uh, we're a team, and we just we just got to get down and knock out this work. <laughs> right. Meanwhile, they go back into their office and <laughs> right. play Minesweeper. Exactly. <laughs> but when you act like you're part of the shared responsibility, oh, you get man. to soften the overlord. And boy, blow. do they they love that responsibility. Oh, yeah. So yeah. true. Yeah, take forward. So he says, quote, some cities are refusing to do their part to address this crisis and willfully stand in violation of California law. Those cities will be held accountable. Boom, boom, boom. I added in the sound effects. Very good. Thank you. Um, So Huntington Beach in 2015, the city backtracked on its state approved housing element and they cut the number of high density housing units they had zoned for from 4,500 to 2,100. Big mistake in, in Gavin's eyes. Um, so Newsom's lawsuit uh, serves as a kind. This is this is interesting. It's it's going to serve as a kind of a test of AB seventy two. So let me give you a little summary. On uh, I had it up here. Here we go. AB seventy two requires the California Department of Housing and Community Development to review local governments' general plans and actions on housing proposals for compliance with state law and allows it to report violations to the attorney general. So that in and of itself, if you would just pause it right there, Please. it was just, yeah. you have to re- send in your report. Okay, right. That, that, that's what it was asking. Okay, continue. Was. Was. Right. That, yeah. yeah. Um, they've already started to see that AB 72 has, <laughs> the, the dynamics of all this is a joke. AB 72 has already been starting to be invoked by local developers when they want to get their projects passed by hostile local governments, <laughs> right? So the local government says, it. hey, no, look, you're, you're developing in our city. We don't want this. The developer who wants the, the, the money, wants their paycheck and wants to do the deal says, well, AB 72, we're going to run to Papa up right. in Sacramento. That's right. That's and right. so you better do what we want or we're going to tattle on you. To get the check. My so, God, yeah, it's a circumvention. <laughs> this is ridiculous. If you don't give your if you don't give your findings to the state, then you have foregone your authority on local zoning Ex- rights. That's exactly. And so, lastly, Huntington Beach's lawsuit, they say, "quote is an unconstitutional." I'm sorry. In the Huntington Beach lawsuit, they say that this, quote, is an unconstitutional overreach by the state into the city's constitutionally protected local land use powers. So I go back to the headline that says the lawsuit shows what a hot mess California housing politics is right now. And I think that is a totally warranted headline. Absolutely. I mean, we're contractor A wants to Bobby circumvent. Co. Yeah. Is it Bobby, Bobby Co. Co. Bobby Co. Wants to circumvent the local local zoning laws. John, and I get it. John is the local zoning laws. I get it. They want to build something and make a profit off of it. That's, okay. That's fine. Well, they're they're a profit-seeking entity. Perfect. Okay. Great. I get Good. it. But they're also using this to get around a whole bunch of different issues, not only just for the zoning, for low-income housing. They also okay. want to do it for whatever other zoning. But it kind of comes to the whole... Are we regulating too damn much? No. And the answer is, of course, yes, we are. We're doing it wrong. I always point to Houston. Mm-hmm. Houston doesn't have these stupid zoning laws, but they manage just fine. And they're a huge city. They figured it out and they said, eh, you, people aren't going to build you know, a residential air, uh, house in the downtown well, it- business district. Even better, 
they will if that's what the market demands. I mean, what a concept, right? right. right? That's right. That housing unit would get built if enough people desired a housing unit to be built around the and they might. industrial. They might. They might. The I don't know, area. and you don't know. That's the beauty. You want to live there? Go right ahead. Good luck with you. But again, we're dealing with zoning laws, and they're kind of really dumb. But it kind of comes to I. I was reading that article and I said, okay, here's our AB 35 and AB 35 is written by our favorite buddy. Oh, is it? Don't tell me. Mr. Ting? Ting? No. Oh, oh that was, that was my favorite buddy I'm thinking of. <laughs> I was going with Scott, the devil wiener. Oh, Scott. <laughs> okay. That would have been my Yeah. So Ting, we, we beaten up on <laughs> Ting a lot. Well, he comes up with dumb All environmental right. policy. Exactly. With dumb environmental. But, Okay, so there was a letter, an op-ed written out by the organization of SB 35 will cause further displacement of communities of color because essentially what you're doing by doing these low housing but mandating that they reach a pinnacle of excellence, you know, it's got to be better than the old projects of old, you know, where it's just basically a ghetto. Yeah, not your standard Section 8. Right, not your standard. And so these low-income housing units have become unattainable to the actual low-income people. They're not servicing who they're aiming to help. Well, you find a lot of these a lot of these uh, low-income apartment complexes are just slumlordy. I mean, they're they're dirty and they're not maintained, and right. it's just someone collecting a rent check from these people. So they're they're saying that AB, or I'm sorry, yeah, AB 35, that one is causing gentrification because now you're having this mishmash because they're trying to build up an old area right. by slamming this wonderful uh, new high rise. <laughs> But in the end, you're just putting people who couldn't otherwise afford the very expensive to a medium level rent. Right. So yeah, I better see that. you them. start gentrifying the ghettos. That's basically. right. And so there goes the old in with the new, and who gets? Who they gets just becomes out? an arts district. Uh huh. Arts <laughs> district. And you that's kind of, that's the listeners kind of town, can't. Sure. The, the listeners can't see it, but Louis definitely put air quotes around art district. Whenever you see it, like. Down in LA, like Los Feliz or Silver Lake, or it's these gentrified areas that ended up with hipsters, and now it's just you know, and coffee shops, and coffee shops, and the graffiti is art, and it's it just becomes an art district, you know, or something for creative minds, a, a, a modern day commune, if you will, exactly. But we're not allowed to build just for the sake of building. Building's bad. Well. You build, and you expect to make money. And if there's money to be made, you'll build it, right? I mean, you want to build for the higher higher income individuals, but at the same time, there's only so many, so you keep coming down the tier. Only what, like 60,000 in the state? Isn't that what we talked about? Mm-hmm. The actual income earners? Yeah, 64,000. 64,000. And gu- I guarantee you they all own homes. Right. <laughs> Very few of them actually own like a penthouse somewhere. And sure enough, you keep coming down and you keep coming down. You build for the specific 
uh, income level that you're looking for. Now, you might mix it a little bit, but essentially, no, you're just... Well, some of these laws now command you to have a certain percentage of low-income or handicap-accessible homes and their development. Totally. Totally. So then you start handcuffing the developer, and then he's going to upcharge the other ones because he's not going to take a loss on it. No, there's no there's no negative ramifications. Yeah, so for any of this stuff. No, we no, all no, end no. up paying for it. No, 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 no. And the, and we wonder why the cost of living is skyrocketing in this state. No, oh, no, yeah, no, it's not. Ignore it. <laughs> Everybody is coming here in droves. But gentrification, why not? Yay! Gentrification, the art district. <laughs> That's what it ends up being, dude. So funny. We got some tweets. Oh man, let me pull some of these tweets up. Sprung it on me, man. I got one. Kamala. She's saying, Kamala Harris, many farm workers often work over 12 hours a day in the hot sun. I've reintroduced a bill today to grant farm workers overtime protections and eliminate most minimum wage exemptions they face. Again, you can. That's great. People are going to pay a whole lot more at the grocery store then. You seem to forget that part in your tweet. Oh, yeah. But totally. That's cool. I'm going to throw some red meat at you guys and let you... Uh respond this one comes from the bernie nearly 85 percent of all stocks owned by americans belong to the wealthiest 10 percent of households the time is long overdue for us to create an economy that works for all americans not just the top jeez <laughs> jeez jeez good response i got one from aoc let's do this I'm cheering for the 2020 field to inspire the country and push the boundaries of public imagination. I hear this voice in my head whenever a tweet of hers is read. Uh, yeah, the I'm boundaries just... of public imagination. That's she's got one vivid imagination. Imagination, oh, just like her Green New Deal. So this isn't a funny tweet. This this is actually a pretty interesting point. I thought from Scott Adams, the creator of Dilbert. He says, "Here's the current situation." President Trump doesn't believe in useless climate deals based on complex, multivariate models that claim to predict the temperature of the planet for the next 80 years. Whereas the more pro-science Democrats don't believe walls work. So, like, who's the stupid one on science? (laughs) In response to the Green New Deal, Senator John Corrin, who knew Green New Deal is a resolution, not a bill, which means it's just a statement. That is pretty funny. Gavin, the governor, Newsom. Here we go again. Instead of playing games with people's health care, the administration should be focused on improving lives. Have no doubt, we will fight back against these renewed efforts to sabotage coverage for people with pre-existing conditions. Sabotage. Sabotage. Wow. I've got one from Kamala that I think I, I've looked on here. I think she's since deleted. When after the State of the Union, she's with a bunch of clap signs in between her words politicians should not tell women what to do with their bodies how about stand up and applaud so <laughs> nancy, seemed, her yeah, Nan- nancy seemed to tell them all what to do last night in terms of uh <laughs> clapping or not i got one last one here it's from thomas Sawwell. i like that guy socialism is a wonderful idea it is only as a reality that it has been disastrous among people of every race color and creed all around the world, socialism has led to hunger in countries that used to have surplus foods to export. What a great guy. Man, I have so many more tweets, but I'm going to save them for later. I like it. <laughs> All right, then. Wrap Another this one up. Episode in the books. Thanks, we guys. We shall wrap it up. Thanks for listening. Website is coming along. 
and it's looking nice. It is. We're going to look legit here soon. In the meantime, download us on Apple iTunes and the Google Play Store. And don't forget to tell your friends to burn it all down. Thanks, Bobby.